Well, how do you want to be remembered when your life on this earth is over? Uh, What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? You know, I was thinking this week how many funerals we have had over the last year. And we've lost some really godly people. I mean, everybody's godly. I mean, I'm not saying that. But we've lost some that have made far-reaching impacts. I think of Margie Andrews and Marianne Frazier. And you listen at these funerals of things that are said that really reflect how that person impacted people with their lives. I think of Margie Andrews and her funeral was, I think, three hours or something like that. Uh, I think it broke the record. But it was just because there was so much that people wanted to say. And my prayer is that we would not be so focused on leaving a legacy of money or material possessions, but that we would be focused on leaving a legacy that really counts, that outlives us, a legacy, a legacy of eternal significance. And that's our theme of this study. But what exactly does it look like to leave a legacy of eternal significance? Well, I want to give you three things that just stand out by way of introduction. One, a legacy of eternal significance is an investment in people, not things. It's spending your time on this earth investing in the lives of others. Not so much about what you're buying and what you're building up, storing up. Second, it's about God, not about us. It is about honoring his name, bringing glory to his name, not making a name for ourselves, building ourselves up. Third, it's about eternal fruit, not temporal possessions. How are you spending your life? How are you living your life? How are you investing your life so that the things that you leave behind are going to last? Eternal fruit. That's what we want to be about in our time on this earth. So what kind of legacy will you leave behind? What will you be remembered for? And again, it's not about us and making a name for ourselves, but how are we honoring God with our lives as we invest in people. And as I'm approaching my retirement in three months, I realize that this is the first day of my last official Bible study that I'll be teaching. And so there's mixed emotions. But as I have pondered how I want to spend this last year, you know, I've asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want to be my final emphasis, my final push for the women here at First Evan, and and that's where he laid on my heart the theme for this year of Rooted, because I really want you and me that we would be so rooted in our faith that we would make a difference with our lives for him, and that's why in the fall I took us through the Rooted Bible study of trying to give you that solid foundation or remind you of that solid foundation that you can pass on to your children and to people that you're discipling and mentoring. And then as I prayed about what to do in January, I thought, you know, I know we've done 2 Timothy in the past, but it just felt like it was the fitting Bible study to, for me to finish on of leaving a legacy of eternal significance because 
That's my prayer for us, that we would be women who live our lives in such a way that we would leave a legacy of eternal significance. And so the next eight weeks, we're going to look at how to do that. And as we look at 2 Timothy, we're going to look at eight qualities that he really emphasizes to Timothy that are part of that eternal um, significance, that legacy. So normally we have an introductory week this first week where I give you a lot of the background and we were not able to do that because uh, we're taking a week off for the missions conference. And so to finish before spring break, we had to just dive in today. So I'm not going to give you a ton of background. I just want to tell you basically what was happening at the time that Paul wrote this letter. Um, He was in a prison in Rome, and it was his last days. He knew that he would never leave that prison, probably, uh, or he would, but only to be killed. It was during the the final years of, of Nero's reign, and at the beginning of Nero's reign over Rome as, as the emperor, he wasn't that bad, but in his later years of his reign, he became brutal against the Christians, blamed them, you know, for the fire in Rome, and he just was persecuting and killing Christians. That was what was going on. Things had escalated to a bad place, and that's why now Paul, instead of being under house arrest, he's in a prison by himself, a dark dungeon. And so that is what's going on. It was probably A.D. 67. That's what most scholars, I think, the the timing was. But according to tradition, a few months after Paul wrote this second letter to Timothy, he was beheaded outside of Rome. It was his final words. Words to Timothy and to others, us, of how to live our lives in a way that would make a difference. And he wanted to equip Timothy. He wanted to equip Timothy and every, all these other young men who would take that baton from him and move forward with this ministry. And he left behind a legacy of eternal significance. So this week we started and we focused on the first seven verses of this letter. And I titled this section uh, A Legacy of Thankfulness, but I'm going to teach it from a little different angle. I'm calling the the title of this time in the lecture A Legacy of Encouragement. And yes, we need to be thankful for the things (laughs) that actually can be encouraging to us, but I want to take it from that angle of challenging us to leave a legacy of encouragement. How do you feel when you hear these words from somebody I believe in you. You can do this. I love you. I'm so glad that you're in my life. I don't know about you, but when people say those words to me, they spur me on. They encourage me. They excite me. And we all need that kind of encouragement. And Paul was a great encourager. He was committed to a ministry of encouragement. And so it's Fitting that he began this letter to Timothy with words of encouragement. And so today as we focus on 2 Timothy 1, 1 1-7, the challenge to us from this passage is 
to leave a legacy of encouragement. But how do we do that? And what does that look like? Well, I want to point out five ways that we can leave a legacy of encouragement. Five ways we can encourage others from the example of Paul in these first seven verses of, first, of 2 Timothy 1. The first thing we can do, love them. Now, I'm not going to tell you anything in this lecture that you don't already know. This is a very simple, straightforward lecture. Nothing new that you're going to go, aha, no. But this is reminders that we all need. So the first thing is love them. You know, Paul said in verse 2, he started, to, he said, to Timothy, my beloved son. And in 1 Timothy, when he addressed Timothy, he just, he called him my true child in the faith. But by the time he got to the second letter, he added my beloved son. He's saying, Timothy, you're not just my child, but I love you. There was that relationship that he, he cared about Timothy. And he goes on in verse 4 and he tells Timothy, I long to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. He longed to see Timothy because he knew the joy that would come from being with this, this young man. That's a way of expressing Timothy, I love you. I can't wait to see you. I miss you. And he talks about when I recall your tears, you know, we don't exactly know what that was about, but he's probably referring to the last time that they saw each other. It could have been when he left uh, Timothy in Ephesus. It could have been when Paul was arrested and put in this prison. But regardless of when it was, it was probably their very last time together. And the tears expressed that, that love for one another. So if we want to leave a legacy of encouragement in the lives of others, first thing we need to do is love them. Say it, but also show it by your actions. And learn what communicates love to those people. Because what communicates love to you may not be what communicates love to that person. Because when they show you, when they love you, that stays with you. I remember when I moved to Memphis 17 years ago, um, a group of women met me at my house that morning and helped me unload the moving van and put dishes in my cabinets and decorated and told me, nope, you've got enough mugs, we're throwing these away and we're going <laughs> to, yeah, we're going to put this over there. And I mean, I just let them go. They had a heyday. But that was a, a, an expression of love. I felt loved on day one because these women took a day and just turned my house into a home. When I moved my mom up here to the assisted living, you know, back in 2010, there were people that met us with the U-Haul at Carriage Court and helped unload all of her stuff. And then we had a couple of women that afternoon that told us to get lost. <clears throat> they were going to decorate mom's apartment. And it brought tears to my brother when he saw what they had done. He went, How, why did they do this? I mean, that's love that stays with you. I can tell you that we have not forgotten 
those acts of love. So if you want to leave a legacy of encouragement, love people. Show them and tell them. So what's one thing that you can do this week to express love to somebody? It may be just telling them, maybe sending a card, maybe helping them do something. But that's the first thing that Paul modeled for us in leaving a legacy of encouragement. Second, pray for them. Verse 3, he says, I thank God as I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. You know, it's a great encouragement to me when somebody tells me, Cricket, I just prayed for you this morning. Or I'm praying for you every day. It means a lot to me. And Paul always had Timothy on his mind, and he prayed for Timothy night and day. Not just in the morning. I love that. Night and day, I remember you in prayer. You know, I, one of the legacies my mom left was prayer, encouragement and prayer. She prayed, and my grandmother prayed for us every night. I would walk by my mom's room and hear her in there praying. And even as I got older and I'd go home for visits, I'd walk by and I'd hear her in there praying. My grandmother would go to bed at 6 o'clock at night and I'd sit under her window in the backyard and we didn't have air conditioning and I'd sit there and listen to her pray really loud because she was hard of hearing. <clears throat> but it, it touched me and I have never forgotten and I thought, Lord, I want to pray for my kids and grandkids that way. Prayer is one of the most powerful things that we can do for those people that God has placed in our lives. You know, and if you don't know how to pray for your children or your people that are in your life, pray scripture prayers over them. That's why I wrote those two Bible studies on prayers in the Bible. Because I wanted to learn how to pray like Paul did for his disciples. My first year here, when I came, I asked God how to pray for you. The women of First Evan. And he laid on my heart Ephesians 3, the prayer at the end of Ephesians 3. And I prayed that prayer for the women of First Amen every day that first year. That's one of the best things that we can do. Uh, something that God has started me doing about a year ago is um, when I get in bed at night, I, I don't fall asleep. I'm not one of those people that hits the pillow and I'm out. I kind of have to work my way into sleep. And one of the things I've started doing is I get in bed and I, I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, um, I'm going to pray this one thing for everybody in the alphabet. I'll take the alphabet, starting with A, and I'll say, okay, I'm going to pray that you would give these people that you bring to mind tonight direction for something in their, what they're dealing with or that you would give them peace. And Lord, would you bring to mind as I go through the alphabet somebody that needs that prayer tonight. And so I'll start with A, you know. Lord, I pray for Anna Phillips. You know, if God brings her to my... God, and it's been so fun because God brings random names to mind. And I have to believe that that's because those are the people who need that specific prayer that night. But it's been so fun as he brings people to mind that don't even live here, but people that I know. But that's just one way that God helps me remember to pray for people every night. 
And sometimes I fall asleep before I get to Z. And Zena, I'm going to tell you that you get prayed for every night because I don't know another person that starts with the letter Z. So you are covered every night. You know, I don't want to be a woman and I don't want us to be women who just talk about prayer. I pray that we would be women who pray, that we would be prayer warriors. What a great way to leave a legacy of encouragement. So the first two things he demonstrated of how to leave a legacy of encouragement, love them, pray for them, and third, affirm them. Verse 5, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. He was affirming Timothy's salvation. He was affirming that his faith was sincere. Timothy, your salvation's the real deal. And you might be wondering, why did Paul need to affirm his salvation? I mean, he'd been serving with him in the churches. I mean, why was that necessary? Well, apparently... um, Timothy was struggling in some areas. He uh, had some challenges with the church at Ephesus. Uh, He was apparently a little hesitant, maybe fearful of what might happen to him in light of what he's seeing happen with persecution, what's happened to Paul. And maybe he's just kind of shrunk back a little bit, and there may be people that are like, well, you're not doing anything. Are you sure you're a believer? We don't know. But those are just some of the thoughts that commentators have said Timothy must have been struggling in some areas. And Paul wanted to affirm, Timothy, I am confident of your faith. Now live it out. You know, Timothy needed affirming in his faith. And we all need affirming in our, whether it's in our faith or in different areas of our lives. We get discouraged. We begin to doubt ourselves. I don't think I can do that. And sometimes all it takes is somebody to come alongside us and affirm us. You know, when I was a student at uh, Texas Heart Institute, a perfusion student, my first week I went into surgery and I'd been warned about this particular surgeon that he loved to tear up perfusion students and spit them out. And he proceeded to do that. It was probably my fourth day in surgery, and he was asking all these questions, and what does this cannula do, and what about that flow, and what about this, and I'd go, I don't know, I don't know, I just started, and he, you know, you call yourself a perfusionist, you'll never be a perfusionist, and I left in tears that after the case was over, I cleaned up, and I went up to my director's office, and I shut the door, and I sat down, and said, Ray, I quit, I'm not cut out for this, Uh, I obviously heard from God wrong. It's not the path. Because I had chosen to go into this field because I felt God was leading me back to East Asia to work with the cardiovascular team. And he sat there and his assistant, and they had interviewed me because they only would take a certain number of students for every year. And they had interviewed me and, and chosen me. And Ray said, well, you can quit, but you're your worst enemy. Because you don't believe in yourself. We have complete confidence that you can do this. But you have to believe in yourself and not let Dr. So-and-so convince you otherwise. 
you out of everybody, you came in your interview and you had a reason why you wanted to do this job. You wanted to serve God with it. And you're telling us now you're going to quit because of one person. We believe you can do it, but you're going to have to believe you can do it. All I needed was that affirmation that somebody believed in me and, and thought I could do it. And so I, I stayed with it and I finished. But there are times that we want to quit something, that we just get discouraged. You know, there are times I've wanted to quit writing. There are times I've wanted to quit ministry because things get hard. And we just need somebody to come and affirm us to say, you know what, I believe in you. Or you're doing a good job. Don't let them discourage you. So the first three things that Paul demonstrates, if we're going to leave a legacy of encouragement, love them, pray for them, affirm them. Fourth, exhort them. Verse 6. He says, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And apparently, uh, again, Timothy was struggling in some areas, but we get the idea that he was not living up to all that God wanted him to be. He wasn't using his gifts, and, and Paul wasn't going to ignore it. He wasn't just going to let it slide. He addressed it. He exhorted him. He encouraged him through exhortation. And then the question comes up with this verse, well, what exactly is that gift of God that he's talking about that he needs to refresh? And there are different views uh, from scholars, but I, I take the view that most scholars take that Paul was referring to that time of Timothy's conversion when Paul probably laid hands on him as he was praying and as Timothy put his faith in Jesus. And we know that the Holy Spirit indwells us at the point of our conversion. And it's the Holy Spirit who gives us gifts. We know that from 1 Corinthians 12, 11, that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts to each person as he wills. And that happens at the time of our salvation. So most scholars believe that he's referring to, Timothy, you need to kindle afresh that gift that you've received, that spiritual gift and whether it was preaching or evangelism, whatever it was for Timothy, he, you need to be doing this, son. Don't just sit there. Use the gifts that God has given you. And sometimes we just need somebody to come alongside and tell us, you know what, you're not living out what God wants you to be doing. You've got gifts, but you're not using them. Sometimes we need to come alongside and exhort people to say, you know what, you're not, you're not, you need to stop doing this. You need to make a change of direction. Because that's love too. That's encouragement. I'm thankful for people who have redirected me in my life and said, I don't think that's where you need to be. Exhortation. I remember when I was in Dallas, um, I had taken, I'd written the Moses study. Some of you went through the Moses study that we did several years ago. I'd written it for a seminary class, and my women's director at Northwest wanted me to teach it in the fall. But before I did, she wanted me to get 
some critique from previous women's ministry directors or other women's ministry directors. And so, so in the spring, she had me teach two lessons of something, and then she had two women's directors critique me. One was Vicki Kraft, and one was Diane Miller, who I don't know that you know Diane Miller. Vic, uh, Christy does. So, and, and they were great. I mean, uh, they gave me feedback on, you know, this is what you're doing well, but this is where you can improve. You need to do, you know, I encourage, do this. This would make it so much more powerful. And it was so helpful to get both sides of, okay, this is what you're doing well. This is what you need to improve on. They, they were encouraging me through that exhortation. And I remember even telling Diane Miller, um, you know what, Diane, I don't even have to teach. I really don't. I mean, I'm fine if I don't teach. And she looked at me and she said, no, Cricket, you're going to teach. And you need to because if you're not, you're not, you're, you're not using what God wants you to do. And I thought, and I have never forgotten her words when I've wanted to quit. I've gone back to what Diane said that day. So, is there someone that you need to exhort today, maybe in the positive way to say, you keep going, you, do, you can do this. Or maybe it's somebody who needs some redirection. You know what, I think you need to start doing this. I, I, you've got a gift, you need to get up and use this. Or maybe, you know, I think you're spending time in an area where you're not gifted and it's draining you. I think you need to maybe refocus. All that is part of loving them in a way that's transforming them to be more of what God wants them to be. So four ways that we can leave a legacy of encouragement. Love them, pray for them, affirm them, exhort them. Fifth, remind them. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Encourage others by reminding them of all that's available to them in Christ. And that's exactly what Paul did here. He starts out by saying, Tim, a little exhortation here, <laughs> you know, Timothy. He's not given us a spirit of timidity. And that Greek word for timidity here is referring to a, a timid, cowardly, shameful fear. Which is probably what Timothy was feeling with all the persecution of Christians going on. And seeing what's going on with Paul. You know, maybe he was scared to step out and talk about Christ. And Paul's saying, that is not what God has given you. And then he goes on to say, this is what God has given you. A spirit of power. Timothy, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And we need to remind people that we're working with, hey, you can't do this on your own strength. But you have the spirit of power in you to enable you to do what seems overwhelming. He told them, secondly, you've got a, God's given you a spirit of love. And that's God's divine love for those that we find hard to love. It's easy to love those people that we just love being around. But what about those people who make your life hard? Who challenge you in negative ways? How do you love them? And 
it's not that ooey gooey, I love to be around you. It's more of that godly love of, of, I want God's best for you. And we can't do that on our own strength. You know, Timothy probably was having trouble loving some of those people who had deserted Paul. We're going to read about them in the coming verses. Maybe he was having trouble. You deserted Paul. How could you do that? How can I love you? And Paul's reminding him, you can't, but you've got the spirit of love. God can love them through you. And then the third area that he reminded them was a spirit of discipline. And this word for discipline carries the idea of having a self-controlled, disciplined, properly prioritized mind. That's where sometimes it's translated sound mind. Your priorities are directed by God. And so you're living in a way that you're applying godly wisdom. You're disciplining your life to following God's direction. And so Paul encouraged Timothy by reminding him of the resources available to him in Christ through the Holy Spirit. You know, we're all going to have tough times. And we're going to have those times that we wonder, how am I going to get through this, Lord? I said that a few weeks ago, driving home from Baptist at 4 o'clock in the morning after driving 13 hours that day before and getting here and going to the ER and thinking, okay, this is going to be a hard week. And I remember telling God driving home, I don't know if I can do this. And you know, we can't. But God can. And we need to remind those in our lives, yes, you can do this because of God's resources through the Holy Spirit in you. How do we leave a legacy of encouragement? Well, Paul demonstrated it in these five uh, ways in these first seven verses. Love them. Pray for them. Affirm them. Exhort them and remind them of all that God has given them through Christ. How are you doing in these five areas? Is there an area that you need to maybe work on to improve? And ask God to make you sensitive to people who need encouragement. Who is somebody that you need to encourage today? This week. Go. Do it. And a question just for you to kind of take away and, and ponder is, are you leaving a legacy of encouragement or a legacy of discouragement? Do people leave their time with you feeling encouraged or discouraged? Let's commit to leaving a legacy of encouragement as we leave this legacy of eternal significance. I want to close with a quote by Billy Graham, which is, was challenging to me, and I just want to share it with you all. And I, I put it up on PowerPoint. Yep, you got it up there. He said, our days are numbered, and one of the primary goals in our lives should be to prepare for our last day. The legacy we leave <clears throat> is not just in our possessions, 
but in the quality of our lives. What preparations should we be making now? And so for those of you that are young and think, I've got a long way to go, start building your legacy today. The greatest waste in all of our earth, which cannot be recycled or reclaimed, is our waste of the time that God has given us each day. Make the most of your time on this earth and leave a legacy of eternal significance by leaving a legacy of encouragement. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the people in our lives who have built into us. Those people that have encouraged us in the times that we just thought we might quit or felt useless or hopeless. And Father, I pray that we'd be sensitive to ways that we can come alongside and encourage those. Father, I pray that we'd live our lives to the fullest on this earth, that we'd make the most of them for your glory, and that every day we'd ask, God, what can I do to honor you today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.